In the name of the Father, and the Son, and God's Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. So we gather this morning uh, in anticipation of a baby, as we will last week. I suppose every baby is sort of an intrusion into lives. I can remember when uh, Mariah, our youngest, was born. I can remember leaning over her crib, um, amazed that something so little and fragile could so disrupt and turn my life completely upside down. Um, if we're honest, every baby is an intrusion. Um, but this baby, who we gather to receive at this time of year, this Jesus, uh, is especially so. As you know from the Christmas story, this baby was not well received by everybody, at least not at first. Uh, the angels who disrupted the heavens with their joyous songs, they all sang of this as good news. Um, but everybody didn't feel that way. Uh, you remember that the shepherds initially were terrified. Uh, Herod despite all of his bodyguards up at the palace, uh, was also afraid. And he recognized, and rightfully so, that this birth was a threat to his power. Even Joseph, uh, the one engaged to Mary, wasn't exactly on board with this from the very beginning. And so, in our lesson this morning, as Mary uh, converses with her kinswoman Elizabeth, her cousin, you and I are listening in uh, to a conversation be two, between two women whose world has been rocked. Uh, and they have a choice, don't they? They can refuse to receive this God who is coming to them in an admittedly odd way. They can turn their backs on that calling or they can say yes. They can sing, as Mary does in her song, just following that passage. Oh God, I don't know exactly what you're up to here, but I want to be a part of it. And I suppose in a real sense, that is the choice between, before every one of us today. Shall we, like Mary, shall we receive this child untimely? even embarrassingly born? Shall we be willing to receive God into our lives? Not the way we might have conceived of God, all-powerful, all-knowing, the answer to all of our prayers, but shall we receive God as God is, as God chooses to come, as this little baby? For remember... Jesus was conceived by a woman who wasn't married. Um, we have words for those kinds of children. We don't use those words very often these days, thankfully. Um, but we used to call them illegitimate. Kind of a sad term for anybody illegitimate, much less the Son of God. Of course, we are not like those kinds of people. I mean, hundreds of us will gather next week, millions around the world, and we will receive this baby. We will welcome 
the word made flesh. We will sing, O come let us adore him. And there is sort of a counter miracle, I think, occurring here. Because it is true, we are receiving this baby. But in a very real and maybe in a deeper sense, it is this baby who is receiving us. In the birth of this baby, Jesus, God chooses to come to us. The word became flesh. God comes to you and me as a way of saying, I want you to know who I am. I want you to know what I am really like. I want you to know how much I care for you. So before we congratulate ourselves on our willingness, our eagerness to receive this baby, it is good to ponder, to wonder at this baby's reception of us. Episcopalian priest Barbara Brown Taylor imagines God addressing humanity with this impassioned plea. I am so crazy in love with you that I will come to where you are. I will be flesh like your flesh and bone like your bone. I choose you and I will love you to death. So God reaches down to us before we reach up to God. God becomes like us, according to the passage from John, so that we can become more like God. So much so that we Christians begin to speak almost casually of a miracle when we say things like, I am a child of God. We have been made children of God by the grace of one who reaches down to us in this birth. In his wonderful little book of church stories, it's called The Good News from North Haven. Michael Linvale, who is now in New York, but who for many years was the pastor at First Presbyterian in Ann Arbor, um, Michael writes about the little town of North Haven, Minnesota, and the little church there. Thanksgiving weekend, they had a baptism. One of the elders of the church, Angus MacDonald, I believe was his very good Scottish Presbyterian name, proudly stood with his new grandson, Angus III, otherwise known as Skip, as this baby was baptized. As is the custom in many churches, whenever a baptism occurred in the Presbyterian church in North Haven, the preacher ritually asks the congregation, who stands with this child? And then the grandparents or wild, wise relatives from the east uh, gather around the parents holding the baby and presenting the child for baptism. After the service was over, after the congregation had exited the church for their Thanksgiving Sunday dinner, turkey and leftover dressing, 
And as the pastor was sort of putting the sanctuary back in order, as Sandy typically does here, uh, he noticed one person had remained. He said she was dressed in Salvation Army style, clutching a black plastic purse. He recognized her as someone who always sat in the back row, close to the door. She seemed that morning at a loss for words. After an awkward silence, she commented on how lovely the baptism had been. And then, fumbling for something to say, she said, Tina had a baby. And, well, the baby ought to be baptized, shouldn't it? The pastor suggested that Tina should come to see him along with her husband, and they could discuss the possibility of baptism. The woman looked up, up at him and said, Tina has no husband. She was confirmed in this congregation. She came to the youth group, but then she got involved with this older boy, and she got pregnant. She's only 18. The pastor awkwardly mumbled that he would bring the request before the session. When the pastor presented the request to baptize Tina's baby before the session, there was some mumbling. Who was the father? The pastor said he didn't know. How could they be sure that Tina would be faithful to the promises that she would make in the baptism? Well, how could they be sure about anybody's promises? After some shuffling about, the baptism was approved for the fourth Sunday of Advent. So when the fourth Sunday of Advent came, the church was filled, as it so often is right before Christmas. The rumored snow had not come, and the room was full. They went through the service, singing all the usual Advent hymns, Come, thou long-expected Jesus. And then came time for the baptism. The pastor announced, and now would those to be presented for baptism come forward? An elder of the church stood up and read from a three-by-five card. Tina Corey presents her son James for baptism. He awkwardly stared at his card. Tina got up from where she was seated and came down front, holding two-month-old James in her arms, a blue pacifier stuck in his mouth. The scene was just as awkward as the pastor and the elders had anticipated it would be. Tina seemed so young and so alone. But as she stood there, they could not help but think of another baby and another woman, young, alone, long ago, under similarly dif difficult circumstances. In other places or times, Tina and Mary seemed like they could have been close sisters. 
And then the pastor came to the appointed part of the service where he asked, and who stands with this child? He looked out at Tina's mother, dressed in her meager way, and nodded to her. She hesitantly, awkwardly stood and moved towards her daughter and grandson. The pastor's eyes went back to his service book to proceed with the questions to be asked of the parents, or parent. When all of a sudden he became aware of movement in the congregation. A couple of elders from the church stood up in the back row. And as they came forward, two others joined them. Then the sixth grade Sunday school teacher stood up. Then a new young couple in the church stood up. And then before the pastor's eyes, the whole church was standing and moving forward, clustered around this baby and the Madonna. Tina was crying. Her mother was gripping the altar rail as if she was clutching on the railing of a tossing ship, which in some ways she was, a ship in a great wind. And little Jimmy, as the water touched his forehead, grew peaceful and calm, almost as if he could feel that warm embrace. And the whole congregation gathered as if this were their child, as if they were all family. The scripture reading that morning was, as it so often is as we get ready for Christmas, from the first letter of John, the third chapter. See what love the Father has given us? That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. In that baptism, those ancient words became flesh and dwelt among us. At Christmas, a baby has been born into your family. By that baby, that wonderful baby, you have been made family. Maybe you're here alone today. Maybe you've lost family, or maybe they're far away. But as the time draws near, do you hear that rustling in the pews as your family, all taking shape around the manger? Do you feel these strangers becoming brothers and sisters as we gather at the family table. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. What is that word? See what love the Father has given us, that you and I should be called children of God. That is who you are. Amen.